Hello, world. Special edition. Unshackled worldwide. It's six o'clock in Indianapolis. General Billy Patton is on the rock. The original night dynamite until 10 p.m. Are you ready? I say, are you ready, Indy? General Billy is smoking Neptown on a Saturday night. From Chicago, the Pacific Garden Mission brings you Unshackled and another dramatized true story. Pacific Garden Mission has been a Chicago institution since 1877, a place of help for homeless people. Help includes meals, lodging, clothing, and medical and dental care, all free. Counselors who know that homelessness is often related to inner problems address spiritual needs. And now heard around the earth, unshackled. When disc jockeys became celebrities, and then with the advent of rock, the one who could capture the teen audience was a valuable asset to any station. The man whose story we have to tell was one of these. You'll hear it. The true story of Greg Patton, now on Unshackled. At the age of 14, I was a very mediocre high school freshman making C's. It was a tragedy that changed my direction. My dad, driving home from a bar late at night, rear-ended a car that was stopped on the highway. It burst into flames. The occupants were burned severely but lived. My dad was jailed and the crash was heavily covered in the print and on radio and television. A couple of days later in study hall, I overheard one teacher's comments to another. Oh, it's too bad about Greg, isn't it? That boy will never live this down. He'll probably carry it with him the rest of his life. I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. Why should I feel guilty? I decided then to be somebody special. My grades went from C's to A's and B's. And during the rest of my four years, I ran varsity track and cross country and played varsity basketball. One time, I was class president. And I dated Sharon, who was already becoming a smart and beautiful lady. <laughs> well, am I allowed to stand in front of your locker? What's all that about? You know what they're calling this part of the corridor. Wouldn't have any idea. Patton Place, the special domain of the amazing Greg Patton. Sounds pretty dumb to me. Maybe so, but it seems I'm dating a celebrity. <laughs> After a year of college, I got a job as an announcer on a radio station in a nearby town. I looked and sounded mature for 20, and soon landed with the ABC affiliate in Fort Wayne as a television newsman. Then I developed a new ambition. You want to go back to radio? Isn't that the old-fashioned medium? What's old-fashioned about rock? You want to be a rock singer? No, I want to be a rock disc jockey. From dignity to dementia. Dementia? That kind of dementia is where it's at. Can you do it? I'm going to work at home with a tape recorder until I find a style that works. On this cassette is the new me. I like the old one pretty well, you know. But you haven't heard this. You are about to be the first to hear the beginning of a new career. It's summer in the Summit City. This is live guy Chris O'Brien with rock and roll music. Well? Not bad at all. But who's this character named Chris O'Brien? Chris is my alter ego, the new me. Okay, another question. You and I are engaged to be married, right? Right. Here's my question. Am I going to be Mrs. Greg Patton or Mrs. Chris O'Brien? 
I got a job on the local rock station. In a short time, Chris O'Brien became very popular. After Sharon and I were married, she learned that her question about being Mrs. Greg Patton or Mrs. Chris O'Brien was a good one. Greg Patton had been a straight arrow type. Chris O'Brien was not. Chris made many nightclub appearances, three a week in one place alone. There were occasions for heavy drinking. Chris did the drinking, but Greg got the bleeding ulcers and also picked up the tab. I stayed at the same radio station for almost seven years and rose to become operations manager. I thought I was really living. After all, Sharon and I drove his and her Corvettes. Then in 1973, I decided to move on to a larger market. A big station in Indianapolis, Indiana wanted a rock disc jockey, a real wild man. I went to see the national program director and played some audition tapes. After he had listened, he shook his head. Oh, very nice and professional, I'll say that, but it isn't what we're looking for. Can you tell me where it falls short? Well, to me, you sound like a redneck. This is a big market with a lot of teenage listeners. They're, they won't go for a down-home type. What we need is a crazy man to dominate the market. I can change my style. How about letting me go on the air for a couple of weeks? That way we can see how I do. Yeah, we could do that. Of course, if you can't deliver, goodbye. Fair enough. Uh, we have to pick a new name for you, of course. What's wrong with Chris O'Brien? Everybody in Fort Wayne knows it. Yeah, Chris O'Brien is just another guy's name. Too straight, too straight. For once, I don't have a suggestion. Yeah, I guess I'm showing my age, but uh, your own name, Patton, makes me think of the general. I say, let's call you General Patton. Not George. No, no, not, not Greg either. How about uh, Billy? General Billy Patton. I don't know. I suppose we can try it and see if it flies. One thing for sure, it's crazy enough. Well, I had my foot in the door, but no more. I knew that if General Billy Patton was to be an audience builder, he had to be a carefully planned personality. When you say planned personality, you mean you have to build a certain image? Uh, that's it. I have to know who this General Billy is, where he's coming from, and where he's going. And have you figured it out? I think so. Starting with this wild man business. So the first question is, why is he a wild man? And the answer? Drugs. General Billy is a wild man because he's always high. Also, he's in a state of absolute rebellion against everything that's traditional and establishment. If you don't mind me saying so, this General Billy sounds like a terrible person. Well, that's because you're just the opposite. What's wrong with General Billy? Well, you're after a teenage audience, but this dope-crazy character is bound to be a bad influence. Good, bad, as long as they listen. Who cares? That's pretty cynical. It's pretty practical. How can you make him sound like he's drugged when you don't know anything about drugs? Or do you? You were right the first time. I don't, but I can learn. How? Oh, maybe I don't want to know. Research. And how do you research the drug culture? Very easy. I ask questions. And who has the answers? My audience. When listeners phone in to talk to General Billy, I'm going to let them teach me the language. All the drug and sex terms that are going around now, I expect to fill up a couple of notebooks. Then the listeners will know I'm their kind of guy. But more so. And when they see me, they'll know the same thing. That isn't new. You've been wearing your hair long ever since you became Chris O'Brien. But Chris was a very conservative type compared to the general. You'll see. I can hardly wait. Sharon didn't have long to wait. I wore all kinds of jewelry, including baby spoon rings, necklaces, and bracelets. High-heeled shoes, of course. As my hair grew down to shoulder length, I began wearing a headband. 
As for the way General Billy sounded on the air, and just in case you missed it earlier, here's a sample. Very brief and pretty well cleaned up. Your good old buddy Billy is feeling so good. I feel the spirit tonight. My friend, when you're hot, you're hot. That and the music that went with it drew the audience we wanted. Sharon rented a five-bedroom chalet in the woods near a village outside of Indianapolis. The money was good. We had four cars, including the two Corvettes. At rock concerts, I worked with some of the really big-name groups. Within three months, the audience research sweep showed that our station had moved up to become the number one rocker in Indy, with General Billy Patton holding down the 6 to 10 p.m. slot every night. General Billy was a success, but Mr. and Mrs. Greg Patton were failing miserably. Fan mail came pouring into the station, but most of the mail that came to the house was bills, and the bills were long overdue for payment. Sharon, who is a nurse by profession, went to work at a hospital. When she finished the evening shift and went home, she usually found I was still out, more often than not at someone's drug party. It's no wonder Sharon began thinking very seriously about a divorce. Then came December and the day of the big blizzard. It snowed all night and on into the next day, and I was trapped in that house in the woods. In a moment, we'll learn how the blizzard marked the beginning of a new direction for Greg and Sharon. Now, here's Superintendent Harry Saulnier of Pacific Garden Mission. Harry, we've just passed the number one occasion of the year at the old lighthouse. That was the anniversary rally. Now comes the second most important event. Suppose you tell us about it. The event, of course, is Thanksgiving Day. Again this year, we will be serving a complete Thanksgiving dinner to hundreds of homeless people. And on this occasion, as always, we invite our friends to help, if possible, with gifts of foodstuffs. Harry, what's on the Thanksgiving Day menu? Just as we have for many years in the past, we'll be serving roast turkey with dressing, whipped potatoes and gravy, cranberry sauce, a vegetable, bread and coffee. As expected with the Thanksgiving dinner, the portions are oversized. Then comes the pie, two different kinds. That dinner is so well known from years past that we expect some 500 people will turn up at our door. None will be turned away. Naturally, we'd love it if someone would send a lot of turkeys, but it isn't necessary that gifts of food be only for the big dinner. After all, Pacific Garden Mission serves about 200,000 meals each year. These meals are nourishing and well-prepared, but the fare is simpler than we have at Thanksgiving. So gifts of staples and canned goods are very welcome. They may not be used on the holiday occasion, but they will be used to feed hungry homeless people, including those in the Women's and Children's Division. You can have a part in combating hunger. Send your gifts to Pacific Garden Mission, Chicago, Illinois, 60605. I'll say it again. Pacific Garden Mission, Chicago, Illinois, 60605. The blizzard that swept over central Indiana in December of 1973 was one to remember. Sharon and I looked out at the drifted snow and faced the fact that we were trapped. <sighs> Even if the roads are plowed by tonight, we still can't get out. Looks to me as though General Billy Patton is going to disappoint his fans tonight. And the hospital is going to have to get along without the head of the intravenous team. 
I might as well call the station and break the news. Then you call the hospital and do the same. Hi, this is Patton. That's why I'm calling. My chances of getting to work are absolutely zilch. Not a chance. That's an interesting idea. Go ahead and try it, but make it clear that this is a job for a four-wheel drive. Uh, okay, I'll be listening. Bye-bye. What's an interesting idea? They're going to broadcast an appeal for a volunteer to come get me and take me to work. I hope the volunteer is driving a tank. I'm going to turn on the radio. He said they'd put it out on the air right away. All right, everybody, here's a special announcement for people who listen to General Billy Patton. The general is snowbound at home in Acton. If you want to volunteer and have a vehicle that can make it through the snow, give us a call. A few minutes later, the station phoned to give me the names and numbers of four volunteers out of about a dozen who would call. That's a real tribute. All those people willing to take a chance with the snow. I'm flattered. I really am. Well, let's call the first one on the list. Kevin Mitchell, 17 years old. Is this Kevin? General Billy Patton here. Believe me, I appreciate the offer. What are you driving, Kevin? A 1961 Volkswagen bug. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. No way, you'll never make it. Well, if you want to, I'll be watching for you in about an hour. A 12-year-old beetle? I know it doesn't make sense, but I couldn't turn him down. He said, this is a great honor. I'll get you there, sir. He's 17. And I never did like teenagers. Hey, don't admit that to anybody but me. After all, teenagers are your bread and butter. Less than an hour later, I heard the sound of a car laboring in the snow. A green beetle was wallowing its way toward the house. In conditions that would have been a severe test for any four-wheel drive vehicle, that bug had made the trip. Miracle is not too strong a word for such an achievement. I went out to meet Kevin. Get in, sir. Thank you. Now that you've made it out here, can you get us back to the city? No problem. I'll follow my own ruts. <laughs> If I didn't see it, I wouldn't have believed it. Here we are in Acton already. Uh, this car's in good shape for its age. I do almost all the work on it myself. One thing about being a passenger instead of the driver, you have time to look around and see things. Well, like that sign there in the church. I never noticed that before. Uh, you know, Mr. Patton, I'd like for you to go to church there with me sometime. Oh? Well, I'm not a church type. <laughs> The invitation insulted me. I'd left God behind a number of years earlier and was very sure I didn't need him now. Well, when we reached the station, I took Kevin inside and loaded him down with 20 or 30 of the top albums. The retail value of them must have been $200 or more. Kevin was a little overwhelmed. He stayed at the radio station, and he took me home that night. Thank you, Kevin. You've been a real friend. Oh, don't thank me. I considered it a real honor. Oh, that uh, invitation to go to church still stands. Thank you, Kevin. Good night. Home again the same day. 
I know. I watched that bug coming in from the road. Maybe we ought to sell the sports cars and get a beetle. Or adopt Kevin. You said this morning you hate teenagers. Uh, this kid's different. Sharon, how'd you like to go to church sometime? Are you trying to make a joke? If you are, I don't think it's very funny. No joke. I mean it. And my answer's yes. Loud and clear. Maybe I should say, I thought you'd never ask. Let me explain why that meant so much to me. The year I was 14, I was led to Christ by a visiting teacher. In the years after that, when I did modeling and then became a nurse, my condition became very backslidden. Now, with my marriage almost on the rocks, Greg's willingness to go to church struck me as a possible last shot to save it. On Sunday, December 30th, we went to church. I couldn't help wondering how the people would take Greg. His hair was shoulder length, and he was wearing a Levi suit, high-heeled shoes, and the usual rings and bracelets. I shouldn't have worried. We were met at the door by a man in his 70s. Good morning and welcome. My name's McCowan. Hi, I'm, I'm Greg Patton, and this is Sharon, my wife. Well, we're delighted to have you here. And we're happy to be here. Uh, my job is to seat you, but uh, on the way down the aisle, we'll stop a time or two, and I'll introduce you to some of our people. You'll find they're mighty friendly. They really were friendly and happy to see us. They were all short-haired rednecks, but nobody stared at me. They were too busy smiling. As we settled down, I wondered, what are they all about? What do they want out of you, Greg? Now I know they wanted nothing but to help me. They saw through my facade. Behind it, they saw someone who needed Jesus Christ. That was something I didn't know much about, but the pastor made some things very clear. And you know, dear friends, it saddens me when I hear churchmen say something like, in these rapidly changing times, we need to change our message. Well, of course, there is rapid change. The times change, but they always have. Though I'll agree the changes are now coming very rapidly. People, though, don't really change. Now, you dig below the surface and you'll find they are as they have always been. Most of them are confused, pulled this way and that way by conflicting voices, by things the world seems to offer, and by their own inclination to ignore God's will. Now that last, a state of rebellion against God, is sin in the fullest biblical sense. There's nothing new or different about this. It's as old as the human race. Yes, times change, but the human condition does not. And the only remedy for sin is the blood of Christ. Now, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. It also says, Whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, the Son of God, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. As we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are set free from the chains of sin and death. I was impressed, but tried not to show it. Then the pastor made an announcement. You know, tomorrow night is New Year's Eve, and we'll be having a time of sociability and worship here at the church. Everyone's invited to this watch night service. I decided to be there, even though it meant taking the evening off from my radio program. On New Year's Eve, I reached the church at 8 o'clock. Sharon was still working at her hospital job. A motion picture was shown. The subject was the authenticity of the Bible. Watching it, I reviewed the life and times of Greg Patton and was struck by the realization that I was totally self-centered and pleasure-oriented 
and a rebel against God. After the film, the pastor spoke briefly. As midnight approaches on New Year's Eve, the world carouses. The din at 12 o'clock is an effort by people to convince themselves that something new is beginning. But not so. No, no, they, they go into a new year that will be the same as the old one, not realizing that they need a new life. The new leaf soon becomes as smudged a page as the old one. But the new life in Christ is for eternity. And you can go into the new year a truly new person, cleansed in the blood of Christ. Now, if you're ready to receive him by faith, just raise your hand. Yes, I see that hand, young man. It would be good for you to step out to the center aisle right now, and, and we'll show you from the word of God how you can be saved. I thought, that's impossible. It was hard enough to raise my hand. The problem was pride. But then I did step out and was met in the aisle by a young man. Do you want to be saved tonight, sir? I do indeed. Then let's go to the pastor's office. Now, you saw the film this evening. It made the authenticity of the Bible very clear. Now let's notice some things in the book. Here's a statement that was made by Jesus, uh, right where I'm pointing. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, you may ask, why is humankind condemned? The answer is here. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now this. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And one more. Right here. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does whosoever include you? It has to. We can pray now. You can follow me in the sinner's prayer, or you can pray in the words of your heart. I guess I was still arrogant. I thought, why follow you? I make a living talking. But my prayer was very short. I began to weep at the realization that a loving, gracious God was reaching down to me. General Billy Patton died that night. The new life was a struggle in many ways. We moved out of the chalet into a three-room house. It wasn't really large enough because in that new year I became a father. I who had never wanted children. And now we have five. I sold insurance. I worked as a car salesman. I studied at a Christian school and founded and worked at a Christian radio station. And then felt led to minister more directly. Greg Patton Ministries produces and distributes the radio program Living in Today's World. We travel now as a family to speak in churches all over America. My basic message is simply, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. About the entertainment media, I can state my beliefs in a few words. The Bible says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And God says, he that is not with me is against me. 
In computer language today, it's G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. What is going into the ear gate and the eye gate of people today? Andrew Fletcher wrote in 1704, I think about today's music. If a man were permitted to make all of the ballads, he should not care who should make the laws of a land. We're asking for a revival today, but God said in 2 Chronicles 29, 27, the song of the Lord would not begin until the temple is cleansed. Do you want to be happy? Number one, the answer is Jesus Christ. But number two comes from Psalm 1. Happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Thank you, Greg. Friend, maybe it's time to sort out your values and decide in favor of deathless living in place of living death. To counsel with someone who is concerned about you, get in touch with Pacific Garden Mission, Chicago, Illinois, 60605. The telephone number in Chicago, area 312-922-1462. Someone who's concerned is waiting to talk to you. If you listen in the United Kingdom or on the continent of Europe, address unshackled in care of Transworld Radio, Biggleswade, Bedfordshire, England. If you listen in the Philippines, you may address unshackled in care of the Pacific Mission, Post Office Box 1467, Manila. You've been listening to Unshackled, Hello World, and the Life of Greg Patton. Tomorrow, Hello World, regular edition. Thanks so much. God bless. Have a great day.